All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Wednesday. All right, the busy week continues oh, here in Victoria with the new premier, the legislature in session. Yeah. Housing, top of mind here for David Eby. That dominated question period yesterday. Uh, the Liberals saying that the housing is a disaster in the province under Eby, under this government. And the NDP turning it back on them, saying, we're trying to clean up the mess you guys created when you were in power. Yeah, no, it's a, housing has become a very dominant issue uh, in in the political sphere. Rivals uh, street crime right now in terms of discourse between politicians. So uh, yesterday, very interesting, David Eby announcing he's going to establish or appoint a new standalone housing minister. We haven't had one since the Barrett government of the 70s, as a, I believe as a standalone. I don't think the Socreds had one. I could, If the caller out there wants to correct me, feel free to do so. But I don't think there was a standalone minister which signals the importance attached to that file now. It's not an add-on. It's not an afterthought. It's a minister of housing, just like there's a ministry of forest, a ministry of energy, a ministry of health. There's now going to be a minister of housing. Not sure who it's going to be. We're going to find that on December 7th. Um, you want to have some fun? We'll throw some names out. Well, Murray Rankin. Isn't Murray Rankin sort of doing the housing file for government right now? Well, he's the uh, MMA of uh, of the cabinet. He's uh, got uh, a number of portfolios. He's yeah. the he's the minister, minister, attorney is what people are calling him. Minister, minister, attorney. Because right. he's the minister of indigenous relations, the minister for housing, and the attorney general. Wow. So he's got That's three. <laughs> I don't recall anyone having three sort of assignments like that. But obviously, come December 7th, he's not going to have all three. They're going to be split up. Uh, I'm not sure where what he'll continue as, either probably as Indigenous Relations Minister or Attorney General. I think housing may go to him, probably go to someone else. I would I would think in Metro Vancouver, where the problem seems to be the most acute area. Uh, is it someone like Katrina Chen from Burnaby, who chaired co-chaired David Eby's leadership campaign? Oh, okay. You know, is it Bowen Ma, the up-and-coming MLA in North Vancouver? Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We don't know, or is it, a, is it a, someone from the backbench? I kind of think it'll probably be an existing minister, and probably someone without city council experience, because I don't. I think uh, experience has shown someone who comes from the city council ranks might have a little more sympathy with city council's views rather than provincial government views. Okay, we've got this legislative session continues for the remainder of the week. The the liberals seem to be trying to inflict as much damage as they can on EB while they have the opportunity here. Let's listen to Kevin Falcon, the liberal leader in the legislature yesterday. All these housing promises from David Eby on the agenda and top of mind yesterday. Here is Falcon going after the government here. Under this premier, BC Housing's budget and debt ballooned to over $4 billion. But the results, not uncommon in this house, have gotten worse, not better, with homelessness and social disorder at record levels. Frankly, it is a disaster. Your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, the David Eby fired the BC Housing Board back right. in July yeah. for a reason, obviously. You know, he didn't like what he saw there. Uh, the report the Liberals got their hands on yesterday, one of the agencies of contracts from BC Housing, did list a whole bunch of financial irregularities and yeah. questionable financial practices that also predate the NDP government. This was going on amongst the on the Liberal Watch as well. Uh, but the board was fired, and it was replaced with uh, civil servants, many of whom ha- had senior positions in the BC Liberal go- government. So it's a new commission now, new board. Uh, than the, the one that was fired, but uh, obviously there, it was there were troubles and problems with that with yeah. that uh, uh, institution, and that's why they were fired. So 
the liberals are seizing upon something that the NDP acknowledges was a problem. Okay, and the the NDP trying to turn it back on the liberals here. So let's listen to the the aforementioned Murray Rankin here, who is the current minister responsible for housing. Listen to how he tries to turn it back on Falcon and the liberals here. government is making up, Mr. Speaker, for lost time after years when the former government didn't build houses that people need. Here's what the CMHC said. Here's what the CMHC said. They said more than twice the number of homes are under construction when, than when the opposition leader was finance minister. Yeah, so they're trying to turn it back on him and say, you know, you guys were, <laughs> you guys were even bigger well, failures. The MEP made sure. housing a big priority when they were in opposition, and they yeah. did point out that there was not a lot of construction going on under yeah. the previous government's watch. Now the Liberals are trying to turn the tables by saying the NDP's set these very lofty expectations and bars of building more than 100,000 units in a very right. short period of time, and obviously are falling short. Even though more construction is going on now than before, it's still not matching what the NDP promised. And so the opposition's pointing out you're not living up to your promises. And that's that's going to be a theme. But there's only a couple more days in the session. Yeah. We'll see if this sustains as an issue come February when the House comes back. The other big one from EB this week was this promise to require very fast-growing municipalities to file these official housing plans and targets. And the suggestion that if they don't, if they don't do it, they don't get these housings built or this housing built or at least a plan to build them, There'll be some kind of penalties or sanctions. Now, on yesterday's show, I talked about this with Craig Hodge. He is a Coquitlam city councillor, and he expressed concerns about the province overreaching here, maybe kind of interfering in municipal jurisdiction. And he also says, look, we're building tons of housing here in Coquitlam, and he's he's concerned about what E.B.'s talking about here. Here's what he had to say to me yesterday. We're producing more rental housing than any city in British Columbia based on a per cap basis. So I think it's all relevant. You know, a small community isn't going to be absorbed the type of numbers that we are. Uh, but the, the larger communities uh, are, shouldn't be the only ones pulling their, their weight here. So what we have to do is find ways that we can all work together, put the right housing in, in the right places. Okay, he also expressed concern about creating a new la- a layer of bureaucracy if the province gets involved here. What do you think? Well, first of all, the bill, I looked at the bill yesterday, the Housing Supply uh, Act. It, there's a lot of levers in that act for the government to move on a municipality. A lot of directives the minister can enact, uh, send in advisors. Uh, it's mostly uh, an enforcement bill, more than anything. Uh, not clear what penalties would be, though. That's, that's not entirely clear. It's interesting to hear a pushback from municipalities now who don't, who question the government's methodology here in terms of measuring how much housing is actually being built. There's there's housing in the development stage and planning, and then there's finished housing. And I think the government seized upon the completed housing numbers rather than the numbers that are in the in the pipe. And the councillors and mayors want to look at the, the numbers that are in the pipe, in the pipeline to be built as a true measuring stick, a measuring stick of what's actually you know, going to be created within a municipality rather than what's been created uh, or finished right now. So there seems to be a bit of a tension and pushback there. Yeah, and it was also interesting this week to see some mayors pushing back and say, hang on a sec, before you start pointing the finger at us and saying we're not getting enough housing built, what about you guys in Victoria? What about the provincial mm-hmm. government? We're trying to build nonprofit housing or subsidized housing, and we want the provincial government on board through BC Housing, and we've got applications in front of this provincial agency that are going nowhere. So you guys are the ones who are dragging And, and that goes feet. back to what's in the pipeline. So they would argue that those things are in the pipeline, but they're not being pushed forward. 
uh, for a number of reasons. Sometimes it is municipalities. I mean, Oak Bay over here is notorious for not pushing development through. But uh, if they're looking for BC housing assistance, uh, the, the firing of the board in, in, in July obviously put the brakes on a lot of things in BC housing. I guess it's been slow to catch up. Okay, real quickly, in the previous segment, we had a ton of phone calls here on the school liaison officer program. Mm-hmm. Should Vancouver police officers be brought back into schools in Vancouver? Now, the previous Vancouver school board shut the program down. It had been in place for like 50 years. And they yeah. shut it down. Now you've got this new school board saying we want to bring it back. There's a fight over it. Where do you think that's going to end up? Well, I think it's going to end up with police back in, in schools. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what the board wants. Um, but uh, it's I live across from an elementary school in Victoria. And for years, I mean, it was part of the scenery. It was the police car parked in front of the school. It was, you know, three days a week there'd be a... A visit to the classrooms. Now it's interesting. One of the one of the callers or one of the, the uh, school board uh, presenters. people presenters yeah. talked about guns in school. Right. So maybe that's a compromise that you don't have uh, an armed officer in the school, at least not visibly armed. If people have a problem with that, it's interesting. You and I work at the legislature. When we both started here, there was no security. No. Now we have uh, as part of the daily routine here a ton of security. And they're all armed. Metal detectors. Metal detectors, and there's uh, and there's armed security personnel who are trained police officers, and that's just again part of part of life here. Now, do you extend that to a school, to an elementary school? Should there be a police officer? I've I've never never had a problem when my kids were going to school with having police presence. It was yeah. they weren't there necessarily as a protective person, just as someone is just you know, to have a presence and to explain what they do. Uh, and that type of thing. We're not at the okay. level of U.S. schools where you go oh. through metal detectors to Thank get God. into a high Thank school and that. you do have armed guards. All right. Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Brian and Coquitlam. Hey, Brian, go ahead. Hey, Mike. So I don't understand why the government can't just build the building. Like, it's never going to be a loss to the taxpayer because they build it, they sell it at cost or they rent out the stuff. It, it's a long-term money generator for the government, so why not just build the buildings themselves directly? What kind of buildings? You mean like build apartment buildings or something? Yeah, uh, for rental buildings uh, and, and affordable uh, purchase buildings. Uh, so both strata, rentals, the whole works. So getting well, building them directly. You have to get municipal approval. So first of all, the provincial government, are you talking about provincial government building housing? I mean, is, social housing is built. Uh, if you're talking just about free market apartments or condos, uh, first of all, you have to get a municipal government has to sign off on any development and it has to meet zoning requirements. So it's not as if Victoria can just step in and become a, a, a builder of homes willy nilly without municipal approval. Right. And, you know, there is a big budget to, to build to build homes in the provincial government. There is a lot of government involvement in building housing. housing built. One of the other things that Craig Hodge said to me yesterday, this Coquitlam City Councilor, is, oh, by the way, where are we supposed to get all the construction workers to build all these new homes? This We're at capacity a, right now. This is a big question. Uh, it applies to a lot of other industries. So one of the things David Eby is going to be announcing in the coming weeks, he's talked about foreign trained medical professionals being brought into the system. There's also going to be a push on getting um, trained uh, professionals in the construction sector yeah. to be brought in, foreign trained to be brought into the country and immediately be put to work. I did a piece about five or six years ago with the BC Construction Association, which expressed concern back then that it was going to be a huge labor shortage in construction. 
and and not just um, apprentices, but where the where the rubber is going to meet the road was in foremen, yeah. um, site managers who are very experienced, and we're running out of them, and we don't have that experience in construction. Yeah. And you've got major projects such as the Site C Dam, LNG Canada, the Patello Bridge, the Broadway subway line are really using up huge amounts of workers. And so there's not enough workers to build a lot of things in BC right now. Yeah. Jim and Surrey. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I live not far from the new city center downtown core. And right now, as I speak, there's at least eight or nine high rises, big high rises, not little ones, big ones going in construction right now. Some are almost done. Some are starting. Some are halfway through. How much more housing would you like us to build out here? We're already flat out. So before eBay starts saying he's going to bring the hammer down on municipalities, hey, come on out here and have a look. We're already, I think, pretty much doing our part. So look at what you're talking about before you start talking about it, Mr. eBay. Okay. <laughs> eBay, okay. eBay. Uh, yeah, right. well, there's dueling statistics between, we're already seeing this tension emerge between the provincial government stats and the municipality right. stats. Yeah. And there, there's going to be some apples and oranges, and you can be sure, you know, Craig Hodge, who, former co-worker, I've uh, known him for years, he's got his stats, yeah. and Victoria's got its stats. Yeah. And it's going to be, again, reading this bill, it's quite interesting how much, how many sections are devoted to ministerial power and um, directives and advisors and requirements for municipalities to turn over records. Uh, so there's, uh, there's going to be some tension between the municipalities and Victoria. Let's go to Mary calling from Vancouver Island. Hi, Mary, go ahead. In regard to police officers and schools, look, yeah. the Vancouver Police Department is really driven to hyperbole. So when they're ta- based on that East End report that came out from Alberta last week, also, uh, they've just uh, ridiculed sexual harassment. Also, they didn't send uh, the officers up to uh, Haida, or not Haida Gwaii, but the north end of the island. So the police, I, uh, Vancouver Police Department doesn't have a lot of credibility in my eyes right now. Thank you, Mary. Uh, interesting. Yeah, they've had a bit of a rough go. That report um, they commissioned was blasted by a number of people. Yeah. We've talked about on the show about about inflating things and and bringing, comparing apples to oranges, that the apology uh, was the two officers who... who right, the indigenous man and his granddaughter who were putting arrested, hand, handcuffs putting outside a bank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, They were required to apologize. They did not go up in person. That was a really bungled uh, event Terribly there. bungled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, no, Caller is a very good point. I mean, the, the VPD has a PR problem. Yeah. No question, which is driving some of the opposition. I bet you, though, in schools. I had an earlier caller say, why don't you put it, put it to a vote by the students, let the students vote on it. I bet you if Vancouver high school students were allowed to vote on this, I bet you they would vote in favor of the police officers in the school. I, I think they would. I think yeah. they would. I don't think, you know, I'm not sure what the percentage would be, obviously not 100%. There's obviously some valid concerns and, and issues that have come up on this, but I think there is more support than not for it. 